up, what up, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Between Two Posts Podcast, sponsored by Vaughn Custom Sports. I'm your co-host, Kyle, here, alongside Ev. What's going on? What's happening, buddy? How are you? I'm pretty good. Just uh, trying to stay out of the uh, the public right now, trying to stay safe. You quarantined? Self-quarantined right now, yeah. Smart, smart. You know what? You live in Florida. It's a weird place. A lot of weird stuff going on. You're better off staying indoors anyways. Yeah, you never know. Never know. But, uh, man, we had an unreal guest this week. Super cool interview coming your way. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, Emirates was great. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure getting to chat with her about where, you know, the PWHPA stands and the Dream Gap, um, kind of getting into the background of where she was from and now where she's going. She's just got some unbelievable stories. Really interesting to hear. Yeah, it was a super cool interview, some cool stories. And uh, when we were doing our background research on her, she had some absolutely ridiculous numbers going through her career um, internationally and in college, just some really impressive accomplishments. So, um, it was a really fun interview. Yeah. When you, uh, when you look up that elite prospects profile, like we told her, like it's, it's unreal. You look at the save percentages, um, things they don't list though, which I think are crazy is she had 13 shutouts at Harvard. And then you look at her pro shutouts with just the CWHL 12 CWHL shutouts. Like that's incredible. That's, uh, not too bad right there. <laughs> but yeah, we had a killer interview with Emirates Mashmeyer. She won a U18 gold medal. She's the Patty Kazmeyer Award runner-up. She has three world's silver medals. She was an ECAC champ, ECAC most valuable goalie, named to the all Ivy League first team, all ECAC second team. She holds Harvard's all-time saves record, not to mention bronze medal winner at the 2018 Olympics. Now, Emirates is just a complete trailblazer. Uh, obviously, having one of her heroes, Shannon Zabados, nearby, um, she was able to watch her. But when you talk to her and you learn about her family, her background, and how they kind of gave her the ideas and the support for her to be able to continue her hockey career, it, it really makes sense on where she ended up. She's, like I said, a complete trailblazer. She played in the AJ just before going to Harvard, absolutely tore it up there. And now we get to watch her play on the Olympic and international stage and the pro women's stage at that. Just a complete pioneer helping push the front for women's hockey. Um, we're going to jump into that. But again, it was an absolute pleasure just chatting with her. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's really cool that she played in the AJ. I mean, that's a league very well respected in Canada. I mean, you see Kale McCarr come out of there. I think he was there like two or three years ago. And now he's... Uh, really just leading the way for NHL rookie of the year. Um, super cool that, that she was able to do that. And, and like she said, she was only the, the second ever player to, to play in that league um, behind Shannon. So props to her. And yeah, second ever girl though. Don't, don't, don't miss that fact. Only second, uh, second ever woman's player to play in the AJ, which is pretty incredible. And I think the other thing that we kind of skipped over, which we probably could have dug a little deeper on with her, but you know, there's always more time in the future, especially with the way coronavirus is going. Um, she got to play against her brother in the AJ. Like, how cool is that? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was really cool hearing hearing her stories about, you know, obviously playing in an all guys league and um, going head to head against her brother just I can't even imagine how cool that would have been for her so but yeah hopefully now too 
Kyle, with the uh, coronavirus going on and leagues postponed, we might be able to knock out a few more interviews with uh, some more guys. Yeah, you got to think uh, there's going to be some more free time coming up. So, Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Between two posts is back in it. Yeah, hey, this might be your full-time job right now. I mean, Vaughn might be, who knows. Hey, relax. Don't worry about it. We're still well, going to make Well, you know what? You know what? Have you heard about, uh, like, Bauer and stuff? And Because I guess they're factories where they're building their NHL equipment right now is in China and they all shut down and guys are freaking out over not being able to get sticks. And um, I think I saw an interview with, uh, with Sagan when he went to play in Toronto, he went to his summer house and grabbed whatever sticks he had there. Cause they're, they're Bauer's done shipping them. They don't have any more in stock. Yeah. It's that's the scary part right now for uh, I think across all brands, if you have any product, anything being manufactured overseas right now, um, you are going to see delays on that stuff. Like we have a composite stick that we're waiting to get here uh, later this spring. We're hoping to have it by now, but because of, you know, the situation that happened over there, um, you know, prayers out to all those people that are going through that overseas, but our shipment has been pushed back. Um, some import products and stuff like that for a lot of people have, has been pushed back, which is a bit of a bummer. But at the end of the day, you hope all those people gain health and, you know, at the, we're going to be able to get gear uh, sooner. It's just going to be a little bit, you know, closer to the summer, but we'll be okay. Everything's going to turn around, but I think on the NHL front and excuse me, the pro hockey front, that, that leaves things in a questionable space because, you know, for sticks, gear, protective, um, most guys don't change protective so much, but being able to find those correct sticks is going to be harder because what those guys use is in a stock off the shelf stick whether it's the flex, the actual make, because sometimes the guys have the tapered shafts, the curves, all those kind of little custom tweaks, you can't get what they're looking for in store. So like you said with SAGs, like it's just a smart thing. If you have a summer stock or a backup somewhere, you got to grab those at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it, it won't be mattered. And, uh, I guess it won't matter too much anymore because the whole league just suspended, uh, paused the game, so... Yeah, it'll just be when it picks back up where things left overseas in terms of manufacturing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, also, I think I think it's been clearing up in, in China. Um, so I think, like, they're kind of on the up and up, hopefully. So, I mean, I would I would assume that those factories get, get back up before the NHL or any other leagues really start getting back into their full swing. Um, I mean, I'm not quite sure what the plans are. Like, I don't know if teams are still practicing. Obviously, if they are, guys are still going through sticks and, and equipment. They're going to have yep. to figure something out for the time being. But, um, I mean, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to just, you know, have the guys kind of chill for a little bit. I, I don't see any – it's not like there's any concrete return date for games to come. So I think that's the scary part, though. Without having that return date, it's like, well, where are things going to head, you know? But yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely, I feel like teams will take a step back. You're not going to be practicing or working out nearly as much just because you, I, they'll probably have some sort of advanced notice of when you might return and then you can kind of get back into to game shape. But for now, I don't see why you don't uh, pump the brakes a little bit, rest up, get whatever injuries have been bothering guys, you know, fixed and, um, it's, it's really there, there's no there's no guide 
to what to do in this situation. It's never happened before. So yeah, exactly. It'll be a wild one. Um, and then lastly, provided by Vaughn Custom Sports, be sure to check out the new V9 head to toe line coming to your stores this spring. Um, we're really excited to introduce the new chest and pant, which has all new mods to both pieces. And the pads are very, very, very exciting. The new profile, the trim down weight, a lot of the new features that you haven't seen on a Velocity before are finally here. And at the shop, we're just ecstatic about this coming out. So be sure to check out the videos on Instagram, uh, on YouTube for more information. Uh, and then head to your stores to see the product in store and get it on your hands. Yeah, I can. Uh, that second part you just said is huge. Um, seeing it in person. I mean, this pad, it's so different from the last one. Uh, I remember when you you brought a new set down here and I was checking them out and I couldn't believe they're just, it's it's a completely new version of the Velocity a lot lighter the feel is the same velocity feel is there but it's just it's such a more advanced pad and i think a lot of guys are gonna start switching into that yeah it's probably the most modern we've been in terms of velocity even comparing it to the ve8 i think the profile is just so much better exciting sure. stuff though so mm -hmm. uh, but let's jump into the podcast here we're really excited to for you guys to hear about emirates and her stories and her experiences through hockey and we're sure we're probably gonna need some more time to get some more info from her soon Welcome to another episode of Between Two Posts with Kyle and Everett. We are here with Emirates Mash Mayer. Damn. You know what, Ev? You're up. Take it. Oh, man. Sorry, Emirates. <laughs> um, oh, my. This is, why I don't, this is why I don't do intros. This is, I, this is clearly why. <laughs> um, welcome back, everybody, to Between Two Posts. We have Everett and Kyle here. And alongside with us, our guest is Emirates Mash Mayer. She was a goalie for well-known Canadian team and she played four years college at Harvard University. She has two silver medals. She was a runner-up for the Patty Kazmaier Award and as of late just named to the 2020 IIHF World's Women's Roster. Unfortunately this was canceled due to the outbreak of the coronavirus. Thanks for joining us Emirates. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now uh, I'm probably going to butcher this but I know you're from is it Berderheim, Alberta? Berderheim, yeah. Middle Bruderheim. of nowhere, Alberta, yeah. Yeah, so I looked up the city. I'm like, that. it's just outside Edmonton, like maybe, what, in a couple hours? Yeah, it's funny you say city because it's really, really, really small town. Um, it's an hour northeast of Edmonton, and I actually grew up on a farm outside of Bruderheim, so population of seven, my family. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because, yeah, I noticed uh, – it's it's I looked it up on the map it's almost like in the middle of nowhere and then I saw how big your family was you have three brothers and one sister correct yeah that's correct so you guys grew up the, on a farm did you all play hockey I'm assuming yeah so my uh, my dad is a big hockey guy and my mom has uh, become a big hockey woman so um, <laughs> all five of us played growing up and um, mm -hmm. the oldest four of us we all kind of continued all the way through to college and then uh, professionally after and my youngest brother uh, he played all the way through his uh, midget years and then he he's now a pilot so he's kind of taken a different route but we're all very proud of what he's doing you know we say that he's the only one with the real job right now so <laughs> it's kind of funny that's incredible though because I know be going into being a pilot there's a lot of training testing um, so I'm sure you know the athletic background helps out with that 
Yeah, like he he started flying, I think, when he was 15. So oh, wow. um, kind of a crazy thought. You know, at the time, I'm, I was only two years older than him. So I didn't think he was that young. But now looking back, I'm like, my little brother was operating and playing at 15. Like, that's before he could even get his driver's license. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And I think just like, you know, the values he learned in hockey and that, I'm sure it translates right over to piloting, too. No, for sure. Now, what was it like going from what we're now finding out is a very, very small town in Alberta, all the way to, you know, the big city of Boston, Mass? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's it's kind of a, it's it's weird to think that, you know, I grew up in such a small area, you know, kind of concentrated with people, you know, I, people that I grew up with, I, you know, we spent so much time with them. And then you go to this big city with, you know, by myself, not knowing anyone. And, um, it could be it could be pretty intimidating, but I think at that time in my life, uh, the year previous to going to school in Boston, I was playing in the the AJHL in Lloydminster, and and I was uh, billeting there, so I was living away from home, and I think that was um, I think that was really really good for me, just you know, kind of getting into that groove of being away from my parents and you know my close friends and family, and then. Uh, kind of having to find my way by myself doing that and I think that was huge in the transition into college and and moving to the big city and and not being super intimidated by that. So you mentioned you're in the AJHL which is obviously a very well respected uh, junior league what was that like being um, obviously a female in that league were you one of the only ones or um, kind of describe that for us? Yeah, it's well, it seems like a long time ago now, but even thinking about it, like I was uh, the year I played, I was 16 and then I turned, I think 16 turned 17 that year. Uh, so I was one of the younger players on the team and uh, the only girl in the league. <laughs> so um, like at the time, I didn't think that was weird or, you know, like abnormal. But now looking back, I'm like, that's pretty special. And I think just that experience and getting to play at that level and competing you know every day getting to practice a couple hours with the guys and I improved so much that year but also just as an individual away from hockey and and you know you become a strong woman when you're kind of um you know you come up against some bad comments and and different adversity along the way with that but I think that that experience Lloyd Minster was um yeah one of my favorite hockey memories for sure that's incredible yeah, definitely. It's it sounds like an awesome experience. What was what was like your team room like? Did uh did the guys seem to have your back? And um, like you said, if something came up or if other team chirps you, were they pretty supportive of you? Yeah, I think like, it's it's kind of funny because that that team. Uh, so Lloyd Minster, my brother Brock, he had played on um, the Bobcats a couple years uh, before that. And then he was still playing in the AJHL. So I was playing against my brother that year, which is also oh, kind of a funny story, but, um, That's so wild. the guys, they knew my brother. Um, so going into it, they, I think they kind of already liked me just cause they knew my brother, but, um, still coming in there were, it was a big, uh, rookie group that year. So I think that was really fortunate for me just coming in and, um, because it was such a new group and the team was kind of like half vets, half rookies. Um, that became kind of uh, more of the divide rather than just, you know, that's a girl on the team and having that be the divide, I guess. So it was, I kind of had my gang of <laughs> rookies and, and then the, you know, it was, it, they just treated me like one of the boys. And I think it takes a little bit of time, I think, for guys that have never played with a female to 
get used to it. But once you step on the ice and prove yourself, like they don't question it anymore. So um, yeah, it takes a little bit, but I think once, yeah, once they saw me play, they were like, well, she can play. So <laughs> she's part of the group. That's so cool though. I saw on one of your profiles, is it true that one of your favorite goalies is Shannon Zabados? Yeah. So growing up, um, she played for the, the Crusaders, the Sherwood Park Crusaders, which is the, um, another AJHL team. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was the, uh, the only other female that has played in the AJ other than myself. Um, and then she like, she played for the team brick team. It's a uh, spring hockey team uh, based out of Edmonton that kind of every 10 year old wants to, to make at that age. Um, it sounds kind of funny now, but it, it is a big deal at that time. Absolutely. Um, but she was the first girl to make Team Brick, and I was the second girl. So um, just kind of her path, and she played guys hockey all the way through, and and um, kind of where our paths were a little bit different is when I got to college. I played female hockey, mm-hmm. where she continued to play men's all the way through, except for with the national team. But she was someone that, you know, I saw what she was doing, and I said, well, I want to I wanna do that. I want to uh, play in that path. So yeah, she was someone I, you know, connected with early on when I was 10 years old and when I played for Team Brick. And um, she remained someone that I kind of could talk to through that process. And it's funny now because we, you know, over the last, uh, I guess, five years now, we've been teammates. So um, just kind of in and out. And it's uh, it's a bit of a different um, relationship now, obviously, but yeah. um, it's kind of funny to talk about those memories. And I think it was kind of just good to have someone to, to like watch go through all that before I had to go through it. So. Well, I think that's so cool because you're both trailblazers now, you know, like Shannon was able to kind of show that it's doable and she paved the way. And then you were able to follow to reinforce the fact that like, Hey, this can be done. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. exactly. And I think like, that's the, the big thing now with women's hockey, we're trying to, you know, become more visible and, and so that young girls can see, you know, see their idols and have female idols and, and be like, that's what I want to do. I want to play professionally. And obviously there's a long way to come and I'm sure we could talk about this more, but it's, um, you know, it, when I was growing up, it wasn't very normal to see a woman playing hockey. And, um, you know, really for me, I saw uh, Zabby playing and I saw my sister. And, and so I had kind of two female leads you know in front of me and showing me the way and so I was fortunate to have that but it's it's crazy like how many girls that even on the national team I talked to and they're like I didn't get to see a woman's game until I was you know like either like 2010 or you know kind of the Olympics (laughs) um, 2006 2010 like so it's crazy at that point you're you know you're mid-teens or you know early to mid-teens that's the first time you really see women's hockey so yeah yeah it's it's completely changed the landscape. Well, I was, I was going to ask about the, um, the Dream Gap Tour and uh, kind of how that's been, because I know you had an event not too long ago that you were a part of. So um, what's that been like? Yeah, it's well, this year's kind of been, um, <laughs> well, there's just a lot of moving parts. Um, last, well, I guess it was last March, uh, we had been informed that our league had, uh, was going to be folding, our CWHL league. And, um, at that point we were just going about to go into our world championships in Finland. And so, um, we had to kind of put it aside for a few weeks while we played in Finland. And then, um, last summer, all of the players that were in the CWHL and then, 
Um, we'd also added a bunch of other girls either from, you know, the U.S. side that um, all the U.S. national team girls and a bunch of other, uh, other a bunch of other uh, female hockey players got together and we said we need to um, create a players association. And um, so kind of our, um, our thing is just not settling on um, kind of what we have. And, and right now we just, we need to create that visibility and awareness about what's going on in female hockey. And um, we do have a lot of support, but it's just kind of uh, a little bit all over the place. And I think people are confused about what, how to support and um, it, it can be confusing. So this year we got together and we um, were basically a pool of players and there, there are technically regions um, that we're playing out of depending on where you're living. And so you get to practice with your region. Like, so I'm living in Montreal and um, we have a, we have a pretty big group and a solid group, but we practice twice a week and then, um, we'll play random exhibition games outside of the showcase weekends that we've been playing. But generally, we're, we, uh, we'll have a four to six team showcase weekend. Um, we've had one um, in Chicago, Philly, Toronto, um, Arizona. There's been other locations too, but we've had a few showcases and um, we play almost like tournament style showcases. So just trying to get uh, fans out and and kind of show the caliber of hockey. And and these are cities that we've never really gotten to play um, a lot of hockey in before. And for some people, it's the first time they're seeing women's hockey. So I think just trying to make an impact that way and kind of grow our fan base and awareness for women's hockey. For sure. Now, I know Kim Sass pretty well because she's on the U.S. side, Jetta, um, Rigsby, all, well, Cavallini now, but just to name a few. But I've been following them on Instagram social and at each of those showcases and the events, the pictures that I get to see where they show how many people are showing up to watch these games and not only the fans, but when you see like the kids in the crowd, all these little girls with their jerseys on like before or after their games or however it works, all these little hockey players that are girls being able to watch this. I think that's really the, you know, the goal at the end of the day, obviously it needs to be a reformatted league. You guys want something more stable, but to get in front of them and show them, exactly what they're looking forward to is incredible yeah yeah like I, every showcase that um, I've gotten to play in it's the support has been incredible and um, you know every time the wherever the location we're at the, the the stands are full so it shows that there are people that um, you know that want to watch the game that want to support and they you know in those areas like I said it might be their first time coming to watch but it's also fans that they'll travel across the country to come watch us because we didn't have as many games this year. And it shows that we have that, you know, that fan base that really does care and um, that are really loyal fans. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're obviously, this is, this is not kind of the, um, the end goal, like the end goal, we do want a sustainable league and, and something that, you know, we can, we can say is professional and that we get treated like professionals and, and something that, you know, young, young girls can look up and aspire to play in. So. Oh, for sure. Now kicking it back to Boston here. Uh, when you were at Harvard, obviously going back year after year for four years, you're able to kind of regroup with, uh, you know, the majority of the same team and you share those bonds, but everybody knows like college can, for people that are able to go are some of the best years of your life. What's one thing you really miss from being at Harvard? Oh goodness. Uh, there are so many things I miss. <laughs> <at Harvard. laughs> um, 
you know, even just thinking about like, it's, it's for me, it's been four years and Mm -hmm. um, I still think about it often. And I, I get emails and I see, you know, different uh, Twitter posts from Harvard hockey and, you know, it always seems to pop up somewhere, but I, I miss it so much. And I think for us as women hockey players too, college hockey, it has kind of been our, the peak of our career so far. And that's kind of sad to say, but the way we get treated in college is that's the most professional we've had it. And other than I would say with our national teams, but, you know, in terms of like playing for, uh, you know, a club team or a winter team. Mm -hmm. And so thinking back, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but just the whole setup and, and um, the team atmosphere that we had, it's, it's one that, um, yeah, you can't really compare to. And something that I miss so much is just having that group that, you know, you know, you're there for four years and you get to create these friendships and these relationships with the coaches and your, and your teammates. And you get to spend your, you know, every waking hour at Harvard and, and um, it, it's just so much fun, right? You just get to, it's like, you wake up, you see your friends, you go to class, you go to lunch, <laughs> you go to the rink with your friends. Like, it's just one that, you know, it's an unbelievable experience. So yeah, I miss a lot about it to be honest, but um, I kind of live through Harvard hockey now and what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Obviously Harvard being uh, right in Boston too. Did you pick up any on the Boston accent? Um. I don't, I don't think I did a lot, but it's funny when I went home after my freshman year, um, in the summer, my friends are like, you sound different. Like something's, something's off. And and then I heard my friends speak and I'm like, you guys sound weird too. Like, I don't know. So it's funny. You don't think you do change your speech, but, uh, I guess over time I, I, my accent was a little different, but I think when I'd come back home for the summer, then I would kind of adapt back to that. Canadian Alberta accent and then I would go back to school and they're like you sound weird again I'm like okay I can't do anything (laughs) that's too funny when you went back from Boston uh back home to Alberta did you hear the Canadian accent then yeah definitely (laughs) so it does exist is but that too when people say but like when you say like um pasta or like in the U.S. it's pasta and it's the O's in the U.S. are like (laughs) <laughs> like compasses composite like it's kind of just a different accent so it's funny when I came home and I'm like talking to my friends and I'm like you, you know you guys kind of sound different I've never thought that before like this is how I grew up speaking and now I think it sounds weird <laughs> so yeah that's too funny because one of my friend, uh one of my best friends from high school he was Canadian um but he lived in Niagara Falls Windsor London all that kind of stuff and then he came to uh, U.S. for high school but that's one thing I always uh get into it with him he's like whenever people bring up the canadian accent it doesn't exist i'll be like no you sound canadian every time you come over here so that's cool yeah there's definitely a canadian accent (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i've I've always wondered for a bunch of years because i used to get into arguments my roommate was canadian and we could never agree over pasta or pasta so what side of the fence are you on uh definitely pasta <laughs> what is pasta i don't know that's what that's how they all say it but is that really a canadian way to say it yeah yeah pasta. It is. yeah <laughs> that's funny it yeah is funny. <laughs> pasta what, what's the other one mario not mario mario yeah they say mario i think i say mario so mario? i don't oh. know where i feel that way. i don't know i guess it's regional or or something but um yeah because even within like i would say alberta versus like ontario it sounds like 
things that we say are a little bit different too so it's it's kind of funny <laughs> but I guess Canada is big so there are different I guess accents along the well, way that and you got to throw in Montreal because they say like color and all that kind of they mix in the O-U-R oh that's the worst <laughs> well Montreal also is just very French so there's a lot of French accents yes yes now uh what was you know going to Boston you're really in you know New England um a very very big city obviously but a very American city what was the most American thing you witnessed when you got to Harvard I don't know why this is like the first thing I thought of but like I don't know if it's just a regional thing like Boston or kind of like East Coast, that kind of thing. But Dunkin' Donuts is huge there. (laughs) And I was like, I've never even heard of Dunkin' Donuts. Like, what is this? And like to us, it's Tim Hortons, right? Like that's that's what it is and so when I went there and my my teammates were obsessed with Duncan and I'm like okay I gotta try it but it's just so funny like I just every class and before hockey games girls are rolling in with their big Duncan cups so I think that was very American to me yeah so I mean Duncan in Boston it's notorious for being on every single street corner um I don't think it's as popular outside of New England but something about Boston and New England, Duncan is like, it is the highest of the highest for yeah. coffee shops. But, yeah. So what, what, how do you compare that to Tim Hortons then? Uh, I don't know. I'm, well, I guess I'm not really a good candidate for this. I, I do say like, I like Tim Hortons for sure. And it's very Canadian, but I'm a big Starbucks fan. And I'm, it's kind of, a, I'm sad to admit it, but uh so like curveball yeah, yeah. <laughs> complete curve I um, know. that's too funny <laughs> I was just gonna chip in because I hate Dunkin Donuts I absolutely <laughs> hate it the coffee's trash like <laughs> oh my you can't say that I you it's no you, it's disgusting um I'm taking a hard stance on this because the coffee's bad the exactly. donuts are gross the food's gross I I'm a Tim's guy till I die, but I would rather get a coffee from Starbucks yeah. than Dunkin' because Starbucks tastes better. And the caffeine that you get when you have that first coffee from Starbucks is just like unmatched. So <laughs> that's where I stand on that. Right, we got to we gotta have someone from Boston on here next to back me up because I don't know how no one yet has said they like Dunkin', but it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> trash. Absolute <laughs> trash. Quality uh, debate. <laughs> <laughs> now, managing between like academics and athletics at Harvard, like we imagine being a student athlete at Harvard is probably, you know, it's easy to say a little more rigorous than a lot of other universities or colleges. So how are you able to stay on top of both? Yeah, it's, I mean, there are definitely times where I've I thought, how am I going to get through this, you know, these next couple of weeks or, you know, I have this, this and that due in an exam and then we have playoffs or whatever it may be. And um, you always just find a way. Um, I always, you know, I'd call home a lot and my, my parents are always like one foot in front of the next, like, don't think too far ahead, just get what you need to get done and, and then move on to the next. And so um, I think that was big for me, just figuring out how to manage my time and, and um, obviously hockey hockey is my focus but so is school and and so just finding out you know like with school if I had a class with um a hundred page reading you know you kind of figure out what's the most important parts to read or you just have to find kind of a way to um to get your schoolwork done and then that way too when I would go to the rink that 
I would be free to play because I found when when school was kind of in the back of my mind it was it was hard to play and kind of be focused and and be able to play free on the ice so um yeah I mean it's it was challenging and I think as my so my first year on the national team was my junior year so my third year at school and um I found that really difficult because I you know I came to school uh so with the so with the development team um, in Canada we have a camp in August and then I would move mm -hmm. into school and then um, with the senior team we'd have camp in September so I'd fly back to Calgary for camp for 10 days and then Jesus. miss school for that period and then come back and start the season get into school and then um, with the senior team we had four nations tournament in November so it's like again 10 days being away and then come back and then kind of have exams in December and then um, kind of in the new year we'd have January February I'd be at school and then we'd have worlds um, end of March beginning of April so then I'd miss school again for a period of time come back um, and then we'd have uh, May testing kind of in the midst of final exams so um, kind of when I became part of the um, senior team program, I found it a little bit more difficult to manage my time and just, um, yeah, I found myself a little bit more stressed out of at school, but you just find a way and, um, you know, whether it's when we're, when I'm at a tournament, whether it's four nations or worlds, you just, you're doing homework when you have time off or your nap time. It's not ideal, but it's just kind of the reality, right? You know, like you want to be there and, and perform, but you also have to um, keep up with school and, and that so yeah so did you have, thinking back to it now I'm like wow yeah I don't know how I did it but you just figure out a way did you have uh other Harvard teammates kind of going through the same thing or were you on an island uh, um so I actually had at the time one teammate that played on team USA Michelle Picard so she was kind of the only other one on our team but um kind of within team Canada there is usually uh at least three or four of us on the senior team that were still in college. So kind of when, when there was nap time or spare time to go explore wherever we were, we'd, we'd have like a little homework study group. So it was good to have a little group when we were at tournaments and events to, um, to kind of keep ourselves on track, but, but not, not easy. <laughs> you know, you want to go to the, you know, the cafe in Sweden and do, you know, see the city a little bit, but you have to kind of prioritize your time a little bit. Yeah. That's like, if there's a camera on my face, my jaw dropped as you went through that, because that's, <laughs> that's actually incredible. Cause once you started playing, like you said, senior, all those tournaments and all those times you were away are during midterms. And yeah. for anyone that went to uni college, um, you know, furthered their education, you know, most schools, when you're taking three to four classes, I don't know what your workload was like Emirates, but like typically three to four classes get you full-time student. Um, your midterms always line up like you'll have one on Monday you'll get the next one Wednesday and then you got another one Thursday or something like that mm -hmm. and those are all during times that you're gone so that's that's when you look back at it that's really incredible you were able to pull that off not only play at Harvard go to school at Harvard but then play for the Canadian team yeah like it, it yeah so our, our full load was four classes you had to take at least four and um yeah, it is, it is kind of amazing thinking back to it, but it, it honestly came down to kind of planning. As soon as I got my schedule or made up my schedule at the beginning of the semester, I would look ahead and be like, okay, what possible events like would I have this year? When will I maybe be away? So right at the start of the semester, I would have to talk to each professor, uh, 
kind of our, our teaching fellows or whoever we had and say, yep. hey, this is kind of what might happen. Like, I don't, I won't know if I'm on these teams until kind of a month before and, and they, they get it, but it's still, a little, it's foreign to them. You know, they don't really understand why I'd be leaving so often, but, mm -hmm. and some of them are good with it and others weren't as good. So you, I might have to drop a class because, you know, that professor's like, well, you can't miss that much. Or if you, if you miss that midterm, you will fail the class or, and others were like, okay, well, we'll take that midterm 20% and add it on your 50% final. So it's just, you kind of had to manage it. And it was, you know, it's difficult at times, but um, like I said, you kind of find a way and um, <laughs> you work, your time management becomes very good when it comes down to that. So yeah. You're scheduling pro then. That's all that <laughs> that's all that needs to be said. Yeah. Yeah. I do love my planners, but I guess I can justify it a little bit. So then when you graduate Harvard, obviously uh, a Harvard degree opens a lot of doors for you. Were you tempted to jump into uh, like a working career or were you pretty set on continuing hockey? I think for a period of time, like right as I graduated and, um, you know, others that I went to school with and some of the other girls I played hockey with, like they were jumping into a career and they weren't really continuing on playing hockey. And I think there was that part of me that was like, should I be doing that too? Um, kind of where do I go from here? And I knew my goal was to, at that time, was to play in the 2018 Olympics. And uh, I had a season before um kind of the centralization olympic year so i was like okay i have a year what do i do and that year uh, right after college i played um in calgary for in the cwhl and and i did only hockey and um i actually found myself <laughs> over over consumed by hockey a little bit and uh just because the year before i had school and hockey and kind of like a good balance there and then I went to just solely focusing on hockey and, you know, living and breathing it. And it can be good to a point, but there's also a point where you're like, I need balance. And so after that season, um, I, you know, I realized that, okay, I need to do something else. So um, the last uh, couple of years, I was taking classes through Queens University and kind of doing the school thing again. Um, and that, you know, I liked having that balance. And I think it was just kind of what I grew up doing is hockey in school and so um, it was nice to have that balance and I do a little bit of coaching too um, at Concordia University now in Montreal and so I have a little bit better of a balance. Um, this year it was a little bit different we with having um, no official league and with Team Canada we uh, we kind of we had eight camps throughout the year so um, it's been kind of a really sporadic year for us and a lot of traveling so um, and luckily I was done my classes through Queens. So this year has been a lot more hockey again, but I think with traveling around and exploring a little bit, it's been, um, I still feel like I have that balance this year. So, but yeah, kind of a, um, right after college, I did feel like I needed to kind of find a job or maybe go and shadow and explore. And I think it's still a good idea to, you know, kind of put yourself out there and see what you like. But um I, I do find it difficult, especially during the season. It's just hockey, you know, you're in season, you're focused on hockey. So that's my primary thing. And, and right now I'm striving to make the 2022 Olympic team. So um, from now until then, that's kind of going to be, um, be at the forefront of my, you know, my mind. And then after that, I'll reevaluate and see, see where I'm at. Well, of course, good luck with that and making the 2022. We have full faith in you, Emirates. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know your stats from that? 
from uh, like Worlds? Uh, U18 World Junior Championships in like 2012. Oh, and they've got to be good because I think I only let in one goal that whole tournament. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that looks about right. I can rem- I can remember <laughs> the goal. That's that's <laughs> the funny oh, part. Oh, cocky! <laughs> oh, that's wild. Yeah, because right now it's listed. You had a 984 there. Like that's wild at an international <laughs> tournament too. Yeah, yeah, it was a good tournament. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Emrens, jumping back and uh, looking back at home and everything, I know you grew up with three brothers and one sister, and everyone had played hockey, but did you have a favorite sibling growing up? Oh, goodness. No, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to get you into trouble here. Well, you know what? Like, my siblings and I were were all very close in age. Um, My sister's the oldest, and uh, I have a younger brother, and I'm number four or five, and we're all within... Uh, I think seven and a half years. So five kids within seven and a half years is pretty crazy. And um, with that, like we all were very close. So, you know, obviously like with my sister, I have a different relationship with her than with my brothers. And, Mm -hmm. and, but it's funny now that when I'm like now being older uh, and we all live apart from each other. So uh, that's pretty tough because we are a really close family, but I find that our relationships are even closer now than they ever have been. So that's pretty cool that even with like distance, it's, it actually is, you know, it's done the opposite effect of what you would imagine, but yeah. Yeah. It helps make the relationship stronger. Now your sister, I saw she, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw she was drafted to the CW. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, she would have been. So she, uh, so my sister, she played technically in the CWHL before she went to Uh, college and she went to St. Lawrence University for four years on a hockey scholarship Mm -hmm. so also a hockey stud but she uh um yeah she played for at the time it was called the Edmonton Chimos um and the league wasn't the CWHL at the time I don't know exactly what the league was called um but it transformed eventually into the CWHL um and then after she played her four years um in college she came came back and played for team Alberta um and they were kind of like the uh team that was came before um the Calgary Inferno um so they were yeah she played for team Alberta in the CWHL so yeah she's a really good hockey player too (laughs) I bet she's a staple in uh, Alberta then for sure yeah yeah for sure being number four of five in terms of the sibling list did you get bullied into playing goalie or like how did that happen yeah, that is a typical question. Um, <laughs> well, I so I started playing hockey at age three, um, which is super normal in my family, and maybe in Alberta and kind of where we grew up. But uh, I played from three to seven as a full time player, and then when I was seven years old, we you know in novice when you go in alternate and net, then you're just in your player gear, you're in net. After one of those games, I had mentioned to my parents that I enjoyed playing in net and I think that kind of sparked an idea for them and so uh, that Christmas they got me goalie pads a chest protector and gloves and and I remember being excited about it but then I was like wait can I does that mean I can't be player now too like I didn't understand but (laughs) and then so I kind of for a little bit um at like from age seven to ten I played um, I played both and then I I kind Mm -hmm. of started specializing in like goalie 
towards probably the end of like age eight and nine but sounds crazy it's so young but um at that time I wanted to make team brick and I was you know had these goals in my head that I um you know I wanted to attain and so uh, goalie was going to be that route and I um <laughs> this does all sound crazy but I started getting private lessons with um, my goalie coach Eric Robertson um at age seven so <laughs> pretty quickly I started becoming a goalie and specializing in that and then yeah it just kind of took off from there so you I still do enjoy playing player but <laughs> but yeah full-time goalie from then on <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned you already kind of like at the age of eight knew you wanted to play brick so like from the moment you put on skates you were pretty much goals oriented then right yeah it, like it's funny because like when I say they're they're my goals like it definitely stemmed from my older siblings and my parents like obviously informing me of what I can do because when you're young you don't actually really know what's out there but you mm -hmm. know it's whatever your parents and your family kind of expose you to so when I say they're my goals like it started out as you know if you work hard you can attain this and I'm like well yeah I want to do that and and so for team brick like my um, so my two older brothers, Bronson and Brock, they had both made Team Brick previous to when I made it, um, made it in 2004. So, um, you know, I kind of saw them go through it and I was like, I want to do that. Like, that sounds like that's so much fun. And um, so from, yeah, a young age, so it would have been when I was around seven, when I saw my brother Bronson playing for Team Brick, I, I knew I wanted to do that. So that was kind of my goal from that point onward at that, <laughs> at that age. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So were you always kind of into the gear? Because uh, recently we've seen some really nice setups, uh, obviously not gone through Vaughn. Um, is that something that you take a lot of time in or does it just kind of happen from someone else's ideas? Yeah, so I was a very spoiled kid in terms of getting <laughs> the best gear. Um, my, uh, my parents, they always uh, would you know for me it was obviously more expensive as a goalie but um all five of us kids um I remember we'd go to United Cycle a sports store in, in Edmonton every every summer and go get our new gear and it's like it's crazy to think that now like I didn't know at the time how expensive it was and doing it for five kids you know like what are you like what do you need new what do you like don't you fit anymore and for me as a goalie like my my dad kind of like I think he, he loved it secretly but he also wanted me to look good out there he's like if you look good feel good you play good you know like that was that was always a thing and um yeah so I was spoiled from I think my first custom set of gear was when I was 10 um I was just about to play for team brick and um <laughs> my dad and I went in and customized uh Vaughn pads and got red black and white to match team brick and and then um, even after I made the team, I got a, a helmet customized and painted up. So it's, it's crazy. Wow. Like I think of that now I'm like, I'm like, how, why would they spend so much money on that? that? But um, at the time, you know, it, it motivated me too. And I'm like, yeah, like now I really need to make this team now that I got gear. But yeah, from a young age like that, I think I had a set of bonds before that. And previous to that, I had a couple other brands, but from age like eight onward, I, um, yeah, I've been in Vaughn and have always had the top end gear. So I've been very fortunate. That's awesome. So for, for team brick, was that a tournament team or was that like a full season team? No. So it was a, uh, well, spring hockey. So, uh, I don't even know what months it would have ran from, but there's a trial process and then, 
um, the actual hockey proportion just, I think, two to three months of okay. kind of spring, good. summer. And I think we played in like three or four tournaments and practiced every week. So yeah, short season. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was trying to do the math on that for custom setup. And I'm, oh, and I'm I know. For... <laughs> it's, it's absurd. And like, I, I obviously I thank my parents for everything they've done. And it's, but I'm like, I don't know how you guys always forked up that money to get custom stuff. Like I, I didn't realize until I was, you know, going to look, you know, when I was later teens and looking at gear and having to, you know, kind of given some of my own money and then I'm like, wow, that's really expensive. I don't think I'm going to get custom this year. <laughs> but yeah, and then you go to college and and then you get whatever setup you want. And that's pretty awesome too. But I had, I've been fortunate enough to get that growing up. So yeah, my parents are amazing. <laughs> They're saints. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, shout out to UCS Goloft, like one of the best stores up there. I know they're real dialed in and uh, it's pretty cool. You were able to go there and start getting your gear from them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like for, as a kid, a hockey player growing up, like that was like the store you wanted to go to. So um, you go in and it's just, there's so much gear. And then where the goalie section is, you know, they have literally everything. So you're just, you're window shopping for hours (laughs) um, and trying everything on. So yeah, pretty awesome experience as a kid. There's nothing better than that, though, walking in the store and seeing all the different gear and checking stuff out. Um, mm-hmm. But now, Emirates, like, we don't want to get too much into the gear, but I was curious to ask you this. Like, a lot of the goalies we meet, it's always, hey, can I just get same as? I really like my stuff, like my stuff. But it seems every time we come out with something new, you're, like, really quick to jump into it. And clearly, based on stats, like, it never – never changes your game so what's been your favorite Vaughn set and what allows you to kind of just keep jumping into the new stuff yeah I well I it's funny because growing up like I say I got new gear almost almost every year which is it's crazy but um yeah like I and then the last couple seasons before um I think well out of college the first two seasons I was out of college I had two sets that I was kind of alternating between and um I, when I was younger, I found it really difficult to switch into new stuff. And I think at that point, it's probably just because, you know, when you're young, you don't want, it gets, it's tougher to break in a glove and your pads, you're not as strong and it takes, so it just takes a little bit longer. But I think now um, at that point, I think just with the technology now, like pads are so easy to break in into. And, and for me, the toughest part is, is a glove, but still after a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm ready to use it in a game. So, um, and it's crazy to think about now because when I was younger, it would take me a couple months to feel comfortable in my new stuff. So I think that just shows that the technology has come a long way too. But, you know, yeah, I've always been one to <laughs> love the shiny new gear and, um, and I'm not really ashamed of it. <laughs> I of like course. looking good out there. So that's part of, you know, that's part of the game is feeling good and, and having your, you know, that style and that swag. So um yeah, whenever there's a new set of Vons that come out, I'm I'm pumped to be wearing them for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, you've you've done some sick setups. Like the the one where we did the maple leaf, but it was kind of yeah. like cut off into a part. That was sick. Yeah, I think those are yeah, those are at the top of my list for sure. They're really cool. I'm like, maybe I should go back to those because those are just really cool. But it's like that weird thing where you're like, I can't have the same set again, but maybe, maybe just alter it a little bit. <laughs> You can get the same look, but yeah, those are sick. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome. Would you say that's your number one set, like your favorite that you've had? 
I think, uh, I think like too, for me with sets is kind of whatever experiences I had in them too, mm-hmm. that you kind of grow attached to them. So I think uh, like that would be at the top for sure, just based off of style and, and how they looked like they were just super cool. Um, I think one of my favorite sets was um, my last, last set I had at Harvard there. I went like, I've gone through this huge phase and I think I'm still in it secretly, but the sock graphic, um, I absolutely love that graphic. And I, and I saw a a goalie that my brother played with in juniors and he had it. And when I saw it, I was like, I want to get these. I don't know what they're called, but um, I remember my first set of sock graphic, I was, playing for Lloyd Minster at the time in the AJ and then I had the sock graphic kind of like through college and that but my um the one set I had my senior year in, in college um yeah it was the sock graphic but I played my first uh gold medal game for uh, Team Canada at Worlds in Kamloops that year and um I think just like the memory I have in that set I just like I absolutely love that set so <laughs> Yeah, I think like half the time it's just like the style and what it looks like, but the other half is when, you know, you you kind of bring along the experiences that you had in the gear and you attach it to that. So, yeah. Yeah, that was actually, I'm looking at it now. That was pretty cool with the the Harvard H at the top. Yeah. That was pretty sweet. It was pretty cool too, because at Worlds, like we have to cover up our logos and that. and, Mm -hmm. um, And I was like, I don't really enjoy doing that and covering up and then they, they pad wrapped the color a little bit. So it was, I believe they made it look a little bit more red um, to match the team Canada red versus our Harvard red was a little bit more like burgundy. Um, but they left the age and I was like, do I say something? Am I allowed to have this? <laughs> and I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. Cause I think it's just cool that, you know, you get to represent um, kind of your team outside of hockey Canada with it so I was it's funny you say that because I remember being like should I say something (laughs) oh no that's too sweet that's awesome though you were able to keep it on there so that way you can kind of like pay homage or homage to where you came from and where you are now exactly yeah the dots um with that being said I I've talked to uh, I know it was Zavados had some trouble that year or was it 18 I think it was 2018. And then I know uh, Alex Rigsby Cavallini did as well. For the people and the listeners that don't know about it, what's it like going through the double IHF checking your gear? Um, so basically they, it's uh, pre-tournament. They come in and um, they size up all of our gear and measure kind of the lengths, the widths, um, all the measurements you have to put it on your gear and show how it sits on your body. Um, and they're very nitpicky about what's okay and what isn't. And they go through each piece of gear and once it's, it's good and they consider it, uh, consider it good, they assign it. And, um, but there's usually alterations that have to happen. Um, there's always something little that you just never expect and then they have to alter it. And then it's usually like a couple days before the tournament starts. So it can be a little bit stressful because, um, you're you're scared that you're gonna have to like cut off a piece of your pad or your glove right before the tournament you know you've been working all year and you feel comfortable in your gear and you're ready to go and they're like oh now you need to cut off this piece by your knee and you're like no (laughs) I don't want to um so that that so they do that and then at any point during the tournament uh they can come in and uh, after a game and say hey I need to size your gear just to make sure that you didn't alter it back cheaters just trying to catch cheaters yeah exactly 
I, which I understand, <laughs> but still, at sometimes at that point, it's not like you're trying to, you know, things might even like for me, my chest protector, I have a tough time changing chest protectors. And mm -hmm. um, so I, mine's getting pretty old. And even last world's like I, they measured it and it was pretty deformed. So I'm, they're like, it's good because you can shove it through the measurements, but it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not illegal, but it's just not in the shape it's supposed to be. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and it's more like I'm embarrassed to show because I'm like, I shouldn't be wearing this anymore. <laughs> Too funny. Well, we'll have to get you, uh, we'll have to get you spec'd out for a new one for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, did they change anything near gear while you're there? Cause I know we usually take precautions on making sure like the knee stacks, right. Because I know that's different from like NHL regulations. So that's one of the things we address, but have they like said, Hey, I'm you got to take this off or like you have to make a big change or is everything pretty simple for you? Yeah. So it, it has become very simple. So my first, uh, I would say couple of worlds, I, uh, I had to change the knee um the knee stack a little bit and i think because when i ordered those pads i ordered them through harvard and they weren't uh they didn't have the um they weren't specified for ihf so mm -hmm. at that point i had to change it a little bit and then uh, i remember reaching out to devon and saying hey like they had to <laughs> cut out a piece of the knee and i didn't even know that was a thing my first world so i was super confused why that was happening but then i realized that um, I kind of had to have it up to the IHF standards. And then after that, when I told Vaughn that I needed it to be IHF, um, then it was fine. So I, when I go through it now, it's super easy. Yeah. Like they just measure and sign and I'm good to go. Sweet. Pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So besides training for 2022, um, what do you do for fun in the summer? Well, I travel a lot in the summer. I mean, I travel a lot all the time, but the summer is kind of uh, obviously like a big you know we're in we're in the gym a lot in the summer and for a period of time we're off the ice but then um we fire back up and start getting back on the ice in the summer too but aside from training and and that um i go i see my family i try to travel and visit everyone and and uh find time to go to the lake and see the cousins and maybe friends that i haven't seen in a while so i like to say like just like do normal human stuff <laughs> um you know i like to say that i don't know if that's a bad thing to say but i just you know sometimes in season um there are just things that either you can't do or you shouldn't do because you need to be preparing and and mm -hmm. make sure you're rested and and ready to go so um yeah with traveling like i in the summer i can go and and uh back out to alberta a few times and see family and and get to do some activities that you know I don't normally get to. For sure. Do you take do you take hockey off a little bit and just kind of stick to uh, like strength and weight training and stuff? Or yeah, so yeah, the the weight training we get like a couple of weeks off, but then we're we're back in the gym and that pretty quickly. But um, yeah, with the with on ice after season normally. Um, well, I used to, I used to be really bad for taking rest. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm realizing I need time away from the ice and, and that's so even I would say up, up until three years ago, I would, I would take maybe two weeks off of ice and get back at it. But now I'm at that point where, you know, I do have those kind of those chronic little injuries that have popped up. And I realize that I need time away from the rink, not only for my like physical um, you know, physical being, but also just my mental being. And 
I know I want to be excited to go to the rink and, and um, motivated in that. And obviously after a long season, it, you need some time away to get excited for hockey again. And um, I think that's normal <laughs> for everyone for sure. So yeah, I normally take a, a good chunk of time. Um, for me now, I take almost two months away from the ice and then get back at it. And it also depends on how I'm feeling. Like if I have a kind of an injury that isn't kind of getting back to normal and I'm not feeling good, then I'll take a little bit more time. But if I'm feeling good and excited and want to get back on the ice then I'll get back on earlier. So it just kind of, um, it's all based on how I feel. That makes sense. And I think something that maybe our listeners might not understand is like for you as a pro, as you go through the season, you don't want to get burned out because if you keep the wheels going and you keep the candle burning, as you go into next fall, like you said, you want to be excited to go back into the fall season, ready to go. Like, I want to play games. I want to win, blah, 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 make a run. But if you kind of keep grinding away through the summer, that, you know, excitement might not be there, which is something you want to have. So mm -hmm. totally understand. Now, I got a question because you're from uh, Alberta. Isn't Edmonton where they do the rodeo in the summer? Like that big... Party oh, the, festival? the stampede yeah stampede sorry yeah, yeah yeah so it's actually in uh calgary but oh, basically okay. yeah alberta is is big for rodeos and but yeah the calgary stampede um yeah it happens every july <laughs> it's a pretty big deal <laughs> have you ever been i have been i've been a few times yeah it looks probably crazy <laughs> yeah it's um well it's a big attraction and people come in from everywhere to come to the stampede and for different reasons some to party some to actually watch the stampede and there are concerts and like the grounds are crazy it's you know i'm sure the sales for cowboy boots and and belts <laughs> go up in, in alberta but you know people are all of a sudden everyone's uh very western out there yeah everybody's a cowboy at the stampede yeah, right. you like no because everyone's starting to get blisters on their feet, and you're like, you've never worn those before. <laughs> never wearing boots, you're soft. Yeah. Too is cool. that just like a like a drinking fest, or is it like a? Because I mean, I've heard of it, but I honestly have no clue. I'd assume there's like actual competitions, all right? For yeah, so there's like the rodeo portion of it, which um, I guess it just it just depends probably what age you are and when you're going and yeah. who you're going with, but. <laughs> um, I guess the primary reason for it is the rodeo and, and, um, yeah. And then others would just go, there's like big tents that are set up that are basically just big, um, big bars. And, um, a lot of the younger crowd goes there and they might go to the stampede, but there are also concerts and, and country singers that come out and it's a lot of fun, but yeah, I think people go there for all different purposes. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, because I'm pretty sure they draw some pretty big headliners, like uh, performances, music musicians, like you said. No, but it's uh, it's definitely somewhere on my bucket list I'd like to go to one day. It looks yeah. wild. Yeah, you should definitely go. It's, yeah, it's a fun time. So we were scrolling through Instagram a little bit. Now, you've been to two very, very interesting cities besides up in Canada. I saw you went to Hong Kong when you were with the Canadians. Is that right? Yeah, so yeah, with our Montreal uh, team in the CWHL, we went yep. to, yeah, we went to China uh, two seasons in a row. Um, so we had, so basically China is trying to grow women's hockey, like mm -hmm. everyone, but um, they, because the next Olympics will be in China, they want to kind of grow a fan base around women's hockey and develop their program out there. So um, they had um, X amount of 
kind of Canadians and Americans go out and play with their um, team out there. And they actually joined our CWHL league. Yep. So um, they came out, I think, to – like we played them, I think, a total of six times, I want to say, throughout the season. But we each team in the CW would go out there and play uh, three games against them. So, yeah, for the two years in a row, we went out to – um Shenzhen Shenzhen China and it's like right outside of Hong Kong how cool is that experience yeah really cool like um it's it's very different than here obviously but the Shenzhen the city we were playing in um like super clean and a lot more quiet than I would have expected you know you think of China and it's it's obviously super populated but the area wasn't um like crazy crazy populated and I think that city is like um it's like a super tech city so it's really uh, like futuristic so it's pretty cool and their rink was incredible like a full bowl and they had the f- like you know gym set up huge locker rooms like it's it's pretty incredible setup but it's crazy because it's like 45 minutes from hong kong and um each time we went out we got like a day in hong kong and uh mm-hmm. that you know hong kong was so different than where we were staying so kind of like the opposite like like it's super populated like you could hardly like cars could hardly drive down the road and um just totally totally different but really cool experience that's awesome and then i saw the on the other one you guys got to ride go-karts through downtown tokyo oh yeah yes (laughs) so uh when i played for the calgary inferno in the cwhl we um our team got asked to play because our team at the time we were i think there were 13 of us that were in the Um, Canadian national team program so uh, we had a solid group and team Japan the national team wanted to get some games in because they were heading into uh, four nations at the time which Mm -hmm. would qualify them for the Olympics if they won so they wanted to get some good competition in before they had it they they head up to um, yeah to the four nations and then so they asked our inferno team because we had two girls on our team that were playing for team Japan at the time uh, to go play them and they would pay for everything. And uh, obviously we were all like, uh, yeah, we want to go. Absolutely. Tokyo, come on. (laughs) Yeah. So we got a couple days in Tokyo and then um, we played two games against them in um, Tamakamai, which is like a Northern Island in, uh, in Japan. But yeah, the Tokyo is unbelievable. Like I want to go back. We only got to stay, in i said for two days and so it was short but now it makes me want to go back and explore more and i think that's one of the things that like people don't really get is when you're there playing and you're training your day consists of getting off the plane getting to the rink working out warming up practice and then you go into the game right um you don't really get to see if you don't have a lot of downtime the city and embrace the culture as much as i think some people think you do you know yeah yeah completely like I think of all the like the cities that I've been to and I mean the countries that I've been to with you know Team Canada and you know China and Japan with the CW and like a lot of the European countries but I haven't gotten to explore a ton and I I think it it kind of gives me a list of places I'd want to (laughs) explore later on you know when I'm done playing hockey and kind of have that time to to go see different places but yeah you basically you get there and especially if you're in a tournament and you have to perform. You're not going to be walking around and and doing a bunch of tour, touristy things because you're going to tire yourself out, and yep. and that's not ideal, obviously. So, 
um, yeah, like obviously, like it's super cool. Like I, you know, I wouldn't give it up for anything, but I get to travel more than the average person for sure and get to see a bunch of different things. But um, yeah, I think it is kind of a misconception with, I think professional athletes, you think, you know, you get to see so much and, but basically you're going, uh, your, you know, your goal is to perform. And, and uh, so when you go to these places, yeah, you, for me, I see the rink in the hotel for the most part. And then 10% <laughs> of the time you see maybe, uh, you know, a restaurant and then um, a couple touristy things when you can, or if you stay a day at, like a, for a day extra, then you get maybe a day, but yeah. So I think I have a long list of places I do want to see. <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely. And you still got a lot of time. Who knows where future Olympics or uh, IIHFs might end up. So keep your fingers crossed and you might get some nice vacations out of it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with hockey is you don't get a lot of warm places. So <laughs> it's like yeah. middle of the winter and you're like, this is awesome. But I'm like, maybe I should have taken up like swimming or something. You get all the warm <laughs> Well, that should be that should be the next uh part of the the uh the dream gap tour is you should just do a whole like florida or like bahamas tour or something yeah exactly i know it's funny we had our so with uh the national team we had our rivalry series against the u.s so we had like three different times throughout this year that we played a series against them and the last series we did Victoria, Vancouver, and Anaheim. And we ended the trip in Anaheim and it was just so funny. Like we were packing for so many different climates. Like we had our rain jackets, we had our winter jackets cause we were coming from Montreal. And then it, then you go to Anaheim and you're like, oh, now I can wear shorts and a tank. Like, it was just so funny. We're like, we never go somewhere warm. So we were all very confused about what to pack. <laughs> Definitely. So I think we're going to switch it up here with some fun questions. Um, if you could only eat one meal the rest of your life, what would you choose? Sushi. Sushi. All right. Wow. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming, honestly. That's no, I can second that, though. <laughs> I think it's, well, I liked sushi before I went to Japan, but that was a big, um, like, I mean, Japan had the best sushi. So now I'm just, ever since then, I'm just trying to find sushi that compares. <laughs> That's yeah, tough, though. Say, so then that is very tough. It might have ruined it for me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, if you could live out one movie, what movie would you pick? Live out one movie. So you would be in, you would kind of be in the movie. Oh goodness, <laughs> this is hard. Um... maybe like charlie's angels i feel like as a kid i thought that movie was sick so <laughs> it'd be fun <laughs> so what character would you want to be um probably cameron diaz i feel like that's okay. like a given yeah <laughs> okay okay now if you're stuck on an island with your friends who's least likely to survive do you think well it depends on which group of friends because if i'm thinking of like my hockey friends versus well, I guess a better a better way to phrase it would be who would you least want to be stuck on an island with? Yes. <laughs> Out of anyone you know. Okay. Uh, oh, man. That's uh, – I feel like this could be very savage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I th I'm just I'm, – I'm thinking about, like, my Team Canada teammates, and it's funny because there, there are some girls – like, we, we've actually talked about this before and said, like, who would survive and who would – like, a zombie apocalypse and who – 
who wouldn't and there's just like teammates <laughs> who are like they would be screwed like they would be like yep just take me eat me I'm good <laughs> like and others would be just so like deceptive and be able to get away um but yeah I don't know that's a hard question <laughs> that's a hard question um <laughs> what what musician or like what artist band whatever are do you listen to that you don't want anyone to know about or at least you'd be embarrassed for somebody to find out embarrassed well (laughs) i feel like someone that's like i listen to that would be like out of character like out of my own character would be a little really (laughs) yeah wheezy baby it's so funny because like growing up my my like close friends and I we just were obsessed with Lil Wayne and (laughs) and my siblings always would chirp me for it but um so they know but it's like only my close friends like know now that I basically know all of his music (laughs) that's pretty funny funny. and here I am like I listen to country I listen to like everything but then it's like Lil Wayne and rap music too so it's pretty funny it's just out of character I think (laughs) well you're 94 right yeah so I was in 93. So like right when I was going through high school, that's when like Lil Wayne was peaking. Like that's true. So maybe, everybody yeah. listened to that. Yeah. So maybe it's it's justified a little bit. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> I used to have some of his mixtapes too, where he'd do remixes on like other beats. And we thought like when we were driving around, you had the subs going and yeah. you beating down the block. You thought you were the sickest kids. So cool. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Cause like his music was big when we were like getting our licenses. So like, you know, you listen to it in the car and you and your friends think you're so cool. So it's just like, yeah. But I think that's pretty <laughs> funny. That's a... <laughs> Just rolling through the backwoods of Alberta, just beating Little Wayne. Yeah. Just so <laughs> not right. <laughs> yeah. I know there's like that. And then here I am. I listen to like Alan Jackson, those kinds of country singers too. I'm like, it just doesn't make any sense. But that's <laughs> kind of my life in a nutshell. You know, country girl living in the city, but also, you know, like it just doesn't really make sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So would you say poutine is overrated or underrated? Uh, underrated for sure. <laughs> Well, I live in Montreal, so I have to, I mean, we get the best uh, Putin here. <laughs> oh, I, did I pronounce it wrong? Yeah, no, yeah. That's Putin. Putin. I, that's, everyone in the States says Putin, so I guess. Yeah, that's well, the English way to say it, but ever since I've been here, I can't say it like that. I'm not allowed, so. All right. Yeah. Vladimir Putin. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, too, too cool. Too cool. Um, well, Emirates, we want to start off by saying thank you so much for all the time. Um, I know we went over here a little bit, so we'll let you go, but it's been a pleasure. This was awesome. And I think we still have some more stories we could dig into in another one. So thank you again. No, thank you. I appreciate it. That was a lot of fun. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Good luck through the summer. Good luck with 2022. And for your next set, let us know what it's going to look like. Give us a little sneak peek. Sound good? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. See ya. All right. Well, that was an awesome interview with Emirates there. Uh, some really cool stuff. It's interesting to to hear her perspective on gear and some of the stories from uh, international play and what goes into that. So great having her on. Um, again, huge thanks to Vaughn for helping this be a possibility. And uh, we look forward to the next interview. 
I think the craziest part when we really look back at it, I think the one that really like it actually made my jaw drop is hearing her talk about, you know, I, I would train in the summer. Then we go out to training camp for, you know, the Canadian senior team and you go to school, you show up to school, you're in school for about a month, two months, and then you go back for four nations and then you go back to school all while still having to study for finals, midterms, um, turn in assignments, get your homework done group. Could you imagine doing a group project on the road? Yeah, I mean, that's just, and, and it's not, you know, it's, it's Harvard. Ever heard of it? Like, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't even think, just even thinking about that, like, even if you were doing online community college uh, and playing in the Olympics and, and Worlds and Team Canada and all this stuff, it's just, it's unbelievable uh, how she handled it all and still put up some incredible numbers on the ice. So, yeah, really impressive. Good. It's going to be really exciting to see what else she has moving forward, especially going into 2022. Uh, I can't wait to see where that roster lines up. I know she's going to be on it. So, But thanks again to Emirates for taking the time to chat with us. We really, really appreciate it. And thanks to the listeners. And be sure to look out for our next Between Two Posts podcast. See you.